we're good. It's only nine minutes behind schedule. We're okay. Yeah. So many familiar faces. Well, I'll do my usual. If you have listened to the podcast, you'll recognize this. Hello, hello. This is Chill Track Friday. This is Ali. It's Anne. Hi. Thank you so much for each and every one of you for joining us here and our panel and Gordon. And thank you to Custom, Custom Performance for letting us host here. I'm actually really glad that I'm not, I don't have a resistance band around my <laughs> knees and I'm doing lateral squats, what Kat would like to call. I'm loading my quad. So I'm really happy not to be doing that right now and actually sitting in a very comfortable chair. That's a blessing, but pretty sure I'll be back in a week doing what I'm just said I won't be doing. Um, so yes, thanks a bunch to Custom and to all of you guys for, for joining and listening in and our live audience. Even though we just started, I think we may have like two people probably watching right now. Uh, we're here to talk about some really cool stuff. Uh, before we actually dive into the panel, I just like and to give a little bit of history on how we got here, how we got the panel together, and why we are here. Hi. Um, just to touch on what Ali said, thank you so much for coming. It's so, um, it's just, it's amazing to sit here and think about where we started, which was my apartment, <laughs> recording our first maybe six months of our episodes were done in my apartment with just me and Ali, and then we moved into a studio, and now we're at Custom. So thank you all for supporting us on our journey. Um, and this conversation kind of started with our interview with Meg, and she told us about this new team that she had helped start called Distance Project New York, which is an all-female running collective that are just amazing, badass women of all sorts, and not only talented in their running, but talented in their careers and just life in general. And we thought that it would be really cool to get a few of her teammates together, and then, we thought, wow, the Olympic trials are coming up, and there are many members. I think you guys have seven members that have qualified for the Olympic trials in the marathon, and so we have four with us today. We have Angela Ortiz, Megan Foster, Lauren Perkins, and Anna Johnson. Welcome. And simultaneously, we wanted to talk about all of the wonderful things that are happening in women's distance running today. Um, First of all, the, um, the work that Lindsay Krauss has done in, with the New York Times about exposing some of the injustices and discriminations in women's running have actually really helped move things forward. Um, just this Thursday, uh, Alisa Mantano and Tina Mir signed with Ultra Running, and they're both pregnant, and the Ultra is going to support them through their pregnancies and their postpartum. So we're already seeing that changes are being made, and Nike has also done a lot of work to change their contracts with their female athletes. The Oregon Project training program has been shut down and athletes are moving forward. The U.S. men's and women's soccer are together moving towards an equitable revenue sharing model. And most importantly, people are talking about this subject all over and we are so happy to be part of the conversation and we're so glad that you guys are here to be part of the conversation with us. So without further ado, let <laughs> me introduce our wonderful moderator. Oh, what a what a task! Yeah, no, seriously. I mean, I don't know if Gordon needs an introduction. Um, when we, it, it was kind of almost a reflex reaction when we said we're going to do this panel up, and said uh, Gordon. I said Gordon. Uh, <laughs> she should absolutely be here. She is. Uh, Gordon has coached many many athletes. Um, she has. Uh, she's been my coach in in New York Roadrunners group training. She's been Anne's coach. Uh, and if we're talking about Olympic trials. Uh, Gordon's uh, been Olympic trials qualifier five times at the marathon and 
one times at the 10K. Um, so I think who else better to kind of be a co you know co-host with us and ask all the right questions because I, I have no clue what to ask about that and I can I can speak for you too right like yeah, no, so we're like we we need the right authority in the room with us to actually uh, talk about that so Gordon's here to help us out in that and thank you so much for that Gordon um, so I think you've probably heard enough from both of us uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves real quick name and 30 second intro. <laughs> um, starting now. Hi, I'm Angela Ortiz. Um, I run with Distance Project NYC. I'm um, going to be a master's in about six months. Master's runners, join their master's runners. <laughs> I'm also uh, a musician, I'm a pianist, and I teach a full studio of students in my studio in Brooklyn. Megan Foster, uh, I'm a master's runner, not looking forward to Angela joining the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> I get like two or three years on, two, two or three years off without Angela, um, but she keeps me honest out there. Uh, but I'm an artist, i a uh, printmaker by trade, and I teach full-time at Rhode Island School of Design, specializing in printmaking. Um, helped start Distance Project with these lovely ladies and many others that aren't here. Um, that's about it. I'm Lauren Perkins. I'm a few years off of the master's age group, but not too many, and very lucky to call all of these uh, wonderful women my teammates at Distance Project NYC. Outside of running, I'm in education and work for a charter management organization in New York called Great Oaks, um, and I'm a chief operating officer there. Um, yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for the, the chance for us to speak with you. Hi, I'm Anna Johnson. I am. Um, you can tell my accent from Mexico. Uh, I'm an oncology nurse. I work at Memorial Sloan Kettering. And I'm part of this amazing group of ladies. This is probably of New York. And I'm also a mom. I have two little boys, uh, four and six. Will and Tristan. Yep. <laughs> Should we dive right in? I just, then, yeah. Uh, and we haven't yet. Uh, how did the team you know, what happened in the formation of this team? What's the history behind that? Who wants to take that from you guys? Yeah, I would say, Angela, would you like to come? Sure. <laughs> Can you guys do a duet? Yeah, right. you know yeah every other word. Um, I think we had, it just been something we had been talking about um, amongst ourselves for a while. We were all part of dis disparate teams, but we kind of knew each other from start lines and just from running together in Central Park or Prospect Park. And um, it, we would we had sort of been talking about, let's start our own team. And we never really kind of got our stuff together. And then sent out an email back in December of 2018 and just said, hey, guys, let's just do this. There's like, I think, four other people on that email. And then it just quickly became 10. And then it became 13. And then... We had our first meeting and started talking about what to call ourselves, and uh, and then it sort of ballooned from there. Yeah, and it, there, were a, there was a collection of us, I think, that actually developed friendship and relationships with one another just on the start lines, like bef you know, the, before the gun goes off and you have ten minutes in your corral and you have a chance to sort of connect and talk very briefly about the races you're looking forward to, and you do that so many times over many years, and you kind of develop a rapport. Um, and having run under many different teams for multiple years across like the that like initial group. 
um, I think it sort of evolved. Like, you know, I'd like to spend more time with you and like talk about running and talk about racing. And I think that one of the like original um, through lines with that core group was a real passion for interest in racing here in New York. And so um, that was one of the sort of you know, that was the genesis, I think, of uh, wanting to possibly come together and, and train and um, and see who else might have that like-minded uh, approach to the, the local scene here. So, And talk about your mission for a second. What do you guys hope to accomplish as a collective? I think we're, we're still discovering that as a team. I mean, we just started as a group of women that wanted to run together. And so we didn't have any overarching plans as to, like, this is what we want to accomplish. It was more just like, Let's enjoy each other's company. So, I mean, I think we're still trying to feel that out in and of our, in ourselves. Um, but, yeah, I think that one of the like key um, features of you know our approach to team is you know a commitment to racing. Um, we all have you know different stories and different backgrounds, perspectives on things. And I think that as we continue to grow, right now it's just we have a small group. It's an intimate group. I think we were 17, 17. strong at at, the, at current um, at current time. Um, and we'll just want to continue to um, evolve. And when you are a team um, that's present in the racing community in New York, which is so vibrant and so diverse in its own right in terms of the different collectives that exist, um, you know, you sort of have an opportunity to give back to the community and be part of the community in different ways beyond just racing and so forth. So, you know, opportunities like this and uh, a platform for, you know, women's running and just the, you know, opportunities that come from being together and um, the strength that comes from that, I think that we'll continue to figure out what that means over time. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a, there's, we have a shared commitment to racing and, you know, just elevating each other and everyone else who we train with that might not even be part of the team. We have high standards and not, I mean, of course, seven of us have an OTQ, but it's really individual high standards and it's not time specific per se. It's just sort of supporting each other with whatever goal um, somebody's chasing and whether as a collective we're inspiring other people to sort of, you know, chase their own goals or, you know, join us in, in helping them pursue pursue whichever goal is kind of more of a mission too, I think. I was just going to ask about the name project. I love the idea of project, especially with a few artists on the, on the board. Can you tell, I mean, you know, can you tell, was there a name that you guys had not, that you didn't choose and you went for project? <laughs> And then maybe tell us a little bit about project. You know, it's been great from day one is everybody's had an input. Like, and and now that the team's growing, there's 17 people putting in an input, which is great. But you know, when we were probably nine or ten women at the time to get a name, it was how many versions of you know doodle did we go through of like, oh, do you like this one? Do you like this one? And they would come down to three, and then we're like, let's just start all over with another seven. <laughs> you know, so. Um, you know, some that we loved and that had a lot of humor and a lot of, you know, quirks too were great that got um, nixed. But, uh, you know, initially in the working stages, we were the lady joggers. The lady for, joggers. And I think our, you could still email probably later, lady joggers at Gmail and it would come to us. Um, but, um, you know, so it went through so, so many, but we ended up with something that I felt like, you know, it's not bland, but it's quite just easy and descriptive, and but we went through a, a whole lot of permutations. Yeah, some were more tongue-in-cheek than others, <laughs> um, but ultimately, yeah. Streamline. <laughs> Project it is. Yeah. So Chill Track Friday is really focused on, like, the mission for us is exploring journeys and how they're different, but yet overarchingly the same, right? Um, we, we interviewed you, and that, like, you 
talked about your 422 down to 243. Uh, <laughs> is that like a, does that transpose somehow? I like to um, keep the numbers <laughs> in the same. <laughs> Within those twos and fours, yeah, kind of interesting. Um, I, I would love to hear the rest of the panel, if there's, if you'd like to share, you know, your, your journey in terms of like where you started, how it started for you and where you are today. Well, I started uh, my first marathon. It was when I was 18 years old. I did it in Mexico, in my hometown, Torreon. Uh, it's in the north side in Mexico, near Texas. Uh, so I did uh, 3.30, just for fun. Uh, my parents are both marathoners, so they trained me as a kid. So I was like, okay, why not? So it was for fun, and then kind of like came to this country uh, to learn English, to work, and just have, I had a good time. And then after I started college, I, start, um, I joined the track and field and everything. And I was getting good and then I started the long, um, the distance, the long distance training and I did the New York City Marathon and it was like 2.53, so I was like, oh, okay, it's not that bad. And after that, oh, I remember, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So, well, let me tell you, so my first coach in New York, it was Gordon. Uh, with Enjoy Moving Comfort, that was my first thing. So I get all I the remember. credit for the 253. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. So that's what. <laughs> Guaranteed. 37 uh, minute PR. Or <laughs> <laughs> your money back. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, it was a good. And then after that, um, I start um, into work, like I start working and everything. And then, um, I, did, I remember I went to Houston. I did, when 2020 were the trials in Houston, uh, I watched the trials because the day after the trials, I did the Houston Marathon. And I was like, oh man, I wish I could be there. It was, it just looked so fun. And I was like, okay, maybe one day. And I did the Houston Marathon to 49. I'm like, oh, maybe I can go. <laughs> so, and then after that, I, I, I got busy. I got pregnant. I had two kids. And so I couldn't make it the 2016 trials. And then after having my second kid, uh, I was I was like, all right, let me just train and see what it is. And then it, I was very surprised. I got, I felt like stronger. And I was just more dedicated as a mom, a runner, work. So I was, um, I was training hard and, and I felt good. And I did the marathons and I remember 2018, no, 2017, I did New York in 2.49, and I'm like, I can do, I'm just, I can go for the trials, and and that's what I did. 2018, I focused on um, on the trials, and I went to Ottawa uh, in Canada, 2018 in May, and I did it with 2.43. Yeah, I was like, yay! <laughs> I did. I have some very early memories of, Running, I um, first like really fell in love with it, like in the elementary school mile, like second, third, fourth grade, um, the mandatory gym class mile. Um, and I think I, I have very distinct memories. I don't remember a lot from that period of my life, um, except I do remember like the gym miles and wearing like those leather bass sneakers with like no traction, with the this, this spin um, shoelaces on the side, you know, and like a long part. 
parka. You don't change for gym class in elementary school. Long parka, like down, like halfway through, you know, down your shins, all zipped up, and you don't have a lot of range of motion, like in that um, outfit situation. But like they just released us, and we had to do like nine laps of a very small like soccer field, and get your hand marked, and wait in line, and then you get your hand marked, and you keep, and then you do your next lap, and then you wait in line. And I, you know, I actually did better than most people, most kids um, in my class, like, you know, consistently through those years. And what was your parka pace? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is what I want to know. Like, I'm waiting for you to say like, it when I ran a 530 mile. I of, like, what the parka yeah. pace was, and I can't, I can't, interact, but I can't figure it we out. Can put on, we could put on a race this but winter. But it goes to show that, like, you know, it, it kind of, you know, because I was, you know, I, I enjoyed it, and it was sort of at the you know top of the grade. It was really, it was very reinforcing for me in a positive way. And, it, and then in middle school and high school, when you do change, you take it more seriously in gym class and whatnot. And when, like many of my compatriots up here, possibly and maybe in the audience, like I played a lot of contact team sports growing up, all of them, and I was not very good at them. And so when I entered high school and I had a chance to run cross country. Having run a couple 5Ks in middle school, like I thought it was just like a godsend. Like I can do this every day. I love this ritual. Um, so ran 12 seasons of tra track and cross country in high school, indoor, outdoor track. Loved it. Loved the team um, aspect of it a lot. Ran a couple seasons in college, um, Division Three NESCAC, like cross country, indoor track, and then took a break. And then moving to New York, like really tapped into it and, and sort of being here in this racing community, like helped me even redefine and without a doubt, like reinvigorate, like, you know, the passion and skill that I had somewhere in me. Um, and so for the past 10 years, I've run on a couple teams, the Harriers, uh, NBR, and now um, Distance Project. And, and now, you know, in my late 30s, I'm so grateful to be running the you know, as fast as I ever have, even having you know, started at a quite young age. So um, I started running marathons, I guess, maybe 10 years ago or so. Um, took me a really, really long time to break three hours, like five years. And I remember our now teammate, Caitlin, at one point many years ago, she probably doesn't remember this, but it was very impactful on me. She said, when you do it, you're going to go way under. Mm -hmm. In that, like, that vote of confidence from her, who had, been, she had been so successful to that point, right? Like, this, these are earlier days, like, gave me this sort of idea that I could go way under. And, and then, you know, once I did, it was like, a, I think, 253 or something mm -hmm. like that. And then from there, it sort of feeds on itself. And I qualified for the trials um, in Chicago of 2018. 2018. 2018. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, this, this opportunity to run in the trials now is a real capstone to a like real lifelong like uh, passion and, and interest. So I feel really fortunate. Um, I'll start younger days like you did, <laughs> but uh, I grew up back in, uh, back in Massachusetts people. Um, you know, I grew up with a pretty athletic uh, upbringing. I was a figure skater from three to 13. So I was always kind of active. Um, and then I got into running, um, I remember in junior high, I was always the one in like the soccer team that would just like enjoy doing the laps of the field and everyone else would be like, oh God, you know, <laughs> why? And then um, my history teacher was actually in junior high the track 
coach, and so there wasn't enough team to uh, enough students to run a track meet that day. And he just knew that I was, you know, athletic and fit, so he was like, "Just come, just show up, and we just need you. We just need people." And I'm like, "All right." And it was like a dirt track next to the, <laughs> to the junior high, and and then like you're in the mile, and I'm like, "Oh, all right." I have no, you know, clue. So I just kind of like stayed in the back and you know took off, and I was because I didn't know if I was going to die or whatever. And then I pretty much picked off everybody, and <laughs> I think I won. <laughs> so I was like, oh, "That was kind of fun." And then they were like, "Come back!" And but I, you know, was pretty booked up with a lot of other um, athletics in my life. But so I always like loved running. But um, and then I ran in, in um, high school and stuff. But then I went to art school where um, the only team was I went to Rhode Island School of Design, actually for undergrad as well. But the only team was a hockey team, which I debated for a little while. <laughs> but uh, you know they were like, oh, you're figure skating. You know you could do it. Um, but you know I, I put it away. Competitive, being a competitive athlete, I sort of just decided that you know that kind of part of my life was over. And and you know I always just ran for pure sort of just life stress or enjoyment or just I always like on a Saturday morning or my day off from classes like would go out for a run um, but you know that's just how it transitioned into my life and I was cool with not being like a competitive athlete anymore because I kind of grew up like that um, and then I grew up went to New York moved to New York for grad school it was just kind of a you know again like life stress I would just go out to the park go for a run and then you see I mean like now, it's like you go to the park, there isn't ever a time, morning, noon, or night, <laughs> middle of the night, there's always someone running. So it kind of just, you know, clicked a little switch for me to sort of maybe start pushing myself a little more and pushing myself a little more. And, um, and then, you know, really I did it for myself. And then I distinctly remember meeting Lauren and Angela at like Greta's one fall. I always like talk about this race and they came up to me and they're like, we were like chasing you. And I was like, I was running from you too. <laughs> so, and it was probably like, you know, the first time I kind of started meeting people that, you know, you knew where you should be in relationship to in a race or you saw somebody and you're like, wow, I caught up to that person or I caught up to that person. And then it sort of just made me like really the just the community in the park like kind of inspired me to just kind of chase the next person, chase the next person, and then got a little faster, got a little faster, and you know, where I'm at now. <laughs> so my I guess I my family was pretty athletic. My dad went to school for football scholarships and my brothers went to school for basketball scholarships and they were both New York State tra uh, champions in the long triple jump and the four hundred meter. So I guess it sort of was a lineage thing and I but I didn't I, I only started running uh, cross-country because I was a soccer player and in one practice I broke both of the bones in my leg after a particularly hard uh, impact and after that my um, doctor suggested that I try something that was less impactful so I ran cross-country the next year and then started running track and field I was like, okay, in high school, we were a small school. You know, we just kind of would, we would run just random miles. And I had no idea what I was doing or like what we were supposed to be doing. And we would just sort of go out and run. And it was fun. It was liberating. And I remember thinking that it was a great way to like, to, to get in exercise. And um, I went to school for music and there, I went to NYU. And there is definitely a great like athletic culture there, but you're either practicing or you're in rehearsal or you're in class when you're a music major. So there's no time for sports. So I didn't run for like 10 years. And then um, a friend who was a runner dared me to run a four mile race with him because he had heard that I ran in high school. And uh, it was um, this Central Park Conservancy four miler, which I don't think exists anymore. Um, 
but I ran it and I just, uh, I started like from way behind because I was late to the race. <laughs> and uh, I like didn't know how to run a race. So I just like sprinted out of the gate and got like a side stitch at mile one and had to stop. Um, and then I finally finished and it was like, there was this great community at every race. Like there were people that were super happy to have finished. They were just, it was just a great environment. And I thought I could do these races more often. So I just started signing up for races and the distance got longer. I ran my first marathon. It was a 348 at um, the, the one in DC, I forget which one. Marine Corps Marathon, that's my husband. <laughs> um, <laughs> Marine Corps Marathon and... Uh, yep, exactly, they're gonna heckle us later. Um, and then it just started kind of snowballing from there. You just kind of like, maybe I can get faster. Maybe that's the same thing that I think everybody in this room has felt. And um, it's the same for Lauren. Like I, I tried really a long time to break three and um, Lauren and I actually finished the New York City Marathon in like 2013. Like yeah. you ran three hours it's and like, I it's ran like, 301. It's like a, yeah, it, it, it's one of the, it was a moment where like we're coming up New York City, yeah, right, New York City, like the, the finish area, right? You can picture it, Tavern on the Green, and it's just like, oh, like, you know, you know, 51, 52, and we are not going to make it <laughs> before it clicks to three. 50, you know, and, and so lo and behold. It's like 800 meters to go, and Lauren's like, come on, let's go. And I'm like, I can't do it that fast. She was very motivating. But anyway, yes, as always. So, And then it's just, when we finally broke three, like I went from 301 to 249. And then like, like Ani, it was like, oh, wait, I could maybe do four more minutes faster. And then that took like three years. Um, but then finally got there. February 29th, uh, actually, can we bring Gordon in for a second? Can February 29th, I'm going to be there. The Olympic trials. You guys on. Yeah, there's something really exciting about this year's um, Olympic trials marathon. Can you talk a little bit about that? And then I'd also Me? like, yeah. yeah and totally. then I would love for you to talk a little bit about your experience too for when you did Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you guys. Thank you for inviting me. I really am honored to be the um, elder stateswoman on this panel. If you haven't noticed, I'm a little bit older than the rest of the people here. Um, my Olympic trials were in 92, sorry, 88, 92, 96, 2000. And then I did qualify in 2004, but um, did not run that year. I was doing the baby thing. Um, and then I, I did the Olympic um, marathon trials in 10,000 in 92. So that was, that was a long time ago, but it was, it was really awesome. But yeah, I'm very, very excited about this year. Um, and to, I'm, I booked my flight and I'm so excited that I'm going to be there. Um, I feel like the, the momentum and the excitement has just been building, you know, certainly it's, it's about to crescendo right now, but I feel like, I guess, yeah, the qualifying window opened in fall of 2017. Um, and that was the year that Shalane Flanagan won the New York City Marathon, which just, you know, obviously was a huge event to have an American win, American woman win that race for the first time in 40 years. Um, and she was just such a, you know, she is such a charismatic figure and, and it, like all of you, had just worked so hard for so many years. She ran the New York City Marathon for the first time in 2010. That was her first marathon. 
And so seven years, you know, to, to achieve that goal. She tried um, several times to win the Boston Marathon because she's a native of that area, and that would have meant so much to her and, and fell short and was just so um, honest and 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 forthright about her goals and, you know, shared her successes as well as her disappointments. Um, so I think, I feel like it was sort of a worldwide phenomenon, but certainly, you know, a real point of pride for Americans in particular to see um, a woman achieve achieve that goal. And then, of course, the following spring, Des Linden, um, also an American, won the Boston Marathon in, in horrific conditions. Um, and that was also a breakthrough race for several other American women who really, you know, were not household word uh, names at all. You know, people that even runner, myself, I had not heard of the second place woman, um, Sarah Sellers. Um, so it was, you know, Des Linden's win. Similarly, it was her first major, I believe it was her first win in any marathon. Um, and she's similarly very charismatic and has a great story of, you know, just so gritty and, and, you know, just a real grinder and has had worked so hard for so many years and achieved at a very high level, of course. She'd been an Olympian and, and um, you know, had victories in many other races. But it was all of a sudden like this catalyst, you know, for American women um, in particular to, you know, wow, I can do this too. Um, and then I sort of started to notice, you know, huge numbers of women qualifying. Um, I think we're up to like 511 now, which is phenomenal, um, despite the fact that the standard is is very, very challenging. You know, when I when I um, qualified the first year, I believe it was 251, and then it sort of gradually has um, tightened over the years. But that first year, I I tried to look this up, and I I couldn't find it, but. A hundred, maybe, qualified, and so you know, fewer than that actually made it to the starting line with injuries and what have you, and you know, uh, fewer than you know, people drop out and whatever. Um, so it was, you know, a, a very, very special event. A very, you know, the event definitely had weight, um, but. It, just the experience of seeing 500 American women on that starting line, I just get goosebumps thinking about it. I think it's phenomenal. And, and you've all achieved this incredibly tough standard. Um, you know, watching the video of the women crossing the finish line at the Cal International Marathon recently, I get emotional just talking, just thinking about it. It was just so cool, especially the ones who just made it, you know, who just were able to dip under, you know, 244, 50, whatever, you know, and how happy they were for each other. I think that's that's something that I think, um, and listening to you guys talk just, just a few minutes ago, um, is just so exciting and and so real you know it's not this like oh I'm so happy for you sort of fake you know it's it's very 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 real um so um yeah the trials are going to be great obviously the the point of the race the you know the the reason it exists is to select the American team and and I think that is wide open. I don't think anyone of the qualifiers is a shoe in at all. You know, some of the most talented women have had um, real bad injury issues. You know, Amy Craig, who's run 221. Who knows? She hasn't run in two years. Um, uh, Jordan Hesse, you know, has, has run extremely well, but again, has had to um, take time off with injury and, you know, had to switch coaches and all kinds of stuff going on with her. So um, that that race, that, you know, like question mark of who's going to actually make the team is going to make it really, really exciting. So I 
and counting the days, and I'm not even going to be on the starting line. So very, very exciting. Um, Gordon, maybe you can lead us in the conversation with the athletes, starting with you about sharing about the process of qualifying. I mean, you qualified a few times, but maybe yeah. that first time. Yeah, yeah. It was For me, it was um, um, a goal that I didn't even know existed until about a year before I achieved it. I had, um, similar to you guys, I started, um, I was very active in childhood, but hadn't run competitively really until post-college. Um, and I was on a women's running team way back in the day called Atalanta that was coached by Bob Glover. Very, very different from your experience, and I'd love to talk with you guys more about that because we had one coach. Um, you you have several different coaches, right? There's no, like, distance project NYC coach, per se, You all, which I think is so awesome, mm -hmm. and how I'd love to hear more about how, sort of how that works and everything, but because um, I think it's just really cool, you know, that you're cooperating with each other as a team, even though you, you have all your individual goals. We were very um, centralized and sort of just did what the coach said, not not only in terms of our workouts, but which races we ran, et cetera. Um, but he was great in that he introduced me to um, sort of the wider world. I mean, we were very focused, as you are, on New York City running, um, but you know, it was like, Olympic trials? What? You know, I, I had never really thought about how they chose the Olympic team. Um, the first Olympic women's marathon at all, and this is sort of a, a, a sad fact, but it was very exciting when it finally happened, was in 1984. And at that time, I had never run a marathon. I did run my first marathon that fall in New York um, and ran 340. It was a very, you know, sort of similar to what you, some of you described. Um, I was competitive, but that, that distance just seemed so... Um, you know, as it is, it long, <laughs> and, you know, and so I just followed everyone's advice to uh, just, you know, it's your first one, you really just want to finish, and um, I had a great time. It was a very, very hot year, unfortunately, a lot of dropouts. Um, I think there were like 18,000 starters and 14,000 finishers, and I ran very, very conservatively until about 20 miles and said, I feel really good, and just, you know, passed like hundreds and hundreds of people in the last few miles. I was like, this is great. I can't wait to do another. Um, then, of course, you know, two and a half years of injuries intervened, and so I was finally able to um, put a training cycle together and, and get a qualifier in the summer of um, 87 at Grandma's. Um, so that was a 54-minute PR. I went from 340 to 246, which was, which was cool. <laughs> Will never happen again. <laughs> but... Uh, just some of my teammates had qualified. There were other, a few other women in the New York area, not anywhere near as many as now. Um, it was just a smaller world back then. You know, it was just there. There were there were a, a group of us who were hitting high standards, but it was a very small group. Um, I always mentioned that there was no social media, so we kind of didn't know each other very well. Um, you know, there were those corral conversations and post-race finish shoot conversations, but again, we were very, very segregated in our um, our teams, and um, all the teams were coached by men back then, and they didn't like it when we mingled. It was I could go on and on about that, and that's a different conversation, but um, it was, uh, there was not as much mingling and socializing and, you know, certainly obviously no social media because there was no social media. Um, 
but the experience of going to the trials just like changed my life. Absolutely, 100%, you know, gave me, uh, just opened the whole world of, of um, competitive distance running up to me. Um, and it was great, you know, and I just wanted more of that. And um, the only trials that where I felt like I had a very, very like dark horse chance of actually making the Olympic team was in 92. Um, and, you know, I ran, I was eighth. So that wasn't, you know, it wasn't, um, and that was my, my ranking going in. So I hit my ranking, you know, it was like, great. But, you know, but I mean, you know, like no matter what you achieve, you always want to achieve the higher thing. Obviously I, I felt a sense of, you know, oh, if I done it this way or, you know, maybe da -da -da -da, I might've made the team. But um, it was a it was a race of attrition, and you know we were all together as a pack until twenty three until we kind of weren't, and you, you know people just fell back, fell off. Um, it was a great race, but um, not you know not. I, I don't I don't think I went into it with the goal of like you know if I don't get one two or three it'll be a failure, but you know you know how that feels when you're at twenty <laughs> twenty five miles and you're getting past or people are are you know going and you just can't go. It's like you were saying, you know, like, I can't, you know, I'm going as fast as I can. You know, and you see the clock turning, it was the same sort of thing. It's like, oh, I can count them and there's just too many of them ahead of me. Um, but um, it, for me, I've also real, really been an observer of women's running, over, run, women's running over the past 30 years or so, um, and I just think it's better than it's ever been. There are absolutely still challenges. Um, the whole Mary Kane situation just blew my mind that that would still be going on in 2019 or whenever it was. Um, but, you know, we live in the real world and we just have to all keep our eyes open um, and keep looking out for each other. You know, I think so, many, so much of the conversation following um, that story, you know, the video and um, the commentary on it was gosh, I just, you know, I'm so sorry that happened. I'm sorry I wasn't looking out for you. And, and men and women both, um, which I thought was encouraging that, that men felt like they could have, you know, intervened or, or just said something or just stood up for it. Um, you know, even Kara Goucher, who has been, who has stood up for so many issues and so many things um, to benefit herself and others, said, I'm sorry, you know. And, and so I think that's, the positive that can come out of something like that, that the world can get better, but we just have to keep looking out for each other and, uh, you know, raising our hand and saying, no, this isn't right. This isn't, this isn't the way it should be happening. A super long-winded answer. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. I have a way of doing that. I, I was looking around. I think everyone was pretty captivated. They wouldn't mind if you kept going. This warning. If you bring me onto a podcast, you will not get a word in edgewise. Sorry. <laughs> We can continue on that, you know, kind of tie this into the Mary Kane story um, and the coach-athlete relationship and how important that is. And uh, you, you said something that was really important and, like, it has changed your view and you've thought a lot about it in terms of what does it mean to coach a whole person versus, like, just the athlete and... Um, Actually, I'd like to have... Yeah, I'd love to hear from you guys. from you like, guys in terms of, like, how is that affected, if, if at all, in some ways, like, in your thinking, working with a coach, or... 
Like, what do you look for in a coach and how, how, what is that relationship like for you? You know, is it, I mean, I think I had three sort of distinct phases of my running and the first one was just out of grad school and it was, you know, living the artist kind of lifestyle. I lived in a loft with uh, six other people, one bathroom, one kitchen, <laughs> and, you know, self-coached, stayed up way too late eating, drinking, you know, they would laugh that I was going to some run at eight o'clock in the morning and I would actually put my running clothes on at midnight and go to bed in my running clothes <laughs> to make sure that I at least felt uncomfortable enough to get up and go. <laughs> so, and that was my, you know, 422 marathon. So, but, and then I joined um, Urban Athletics for a little while did their group sort of Tuesday and Thursday workouts and, and that was great and it took me to another level and then that broke off to Williamsburg Track Club and that really helped me sort of um, get a lot of speed and sort of transition into sort of a more competitive runner um, and then you know then I sort of realized I had kind of you know, when you get to a certain point in your in your training that you need to be more specific to what you need for your race and for your ability. And um, I kind of outgrew the group um, training setting. And, you know, this is no dig to any particular person at Williamsburg Drag Club, but I remember one specific workout that it like clicked that I was like, okay, I need to sort of find a coach that works for me it was, and you know, I basically ran with a lot of guys, a lot of the, the workout and guys that I was even faster than, I was told that I was done that workout not to do another rep and the guys got to do another one. And I was just like, what? I'm, I, wasn't, I wasn't done. I could have definitely done another couple, but I was just told, you know, you're, you're good for today. And I was just like, so then I kind of knew that I was like, I really needed to find someone that was going to help me push me for, for what I wanted out of it. Um, so for a while I kind of, um, still used the coach for Williamsburg, which is Todd Weiss, and he was great and kind of just helped me kind of design my own thing for a while. Um, and then I ended up hiring Stephanie Bruce, who, um, you know, having a, a woman sort of, I think, in just different phases in my life and other stuff I was going through um, was monumental and just kind of knowing kind of how to, you know, change the training or, or you know, go with my strengths that I, you know, I feel like I'm more of a strength kind of runner and I love speed workouts, but, and that was sort of basically, I felt, I felt like for a while I had plateaued and I, you know, broke three, um, and even kind of got a little injured for a bit and just wondered if I had kind of reached my potential as a runner. Um, and then I was on sabbatical from work that year and I decided like, you know, let's just you know, gamble and give it a go. And I knew I was going to have more time to run and I hired Stephanie and like my times just, you know, basically started to drop instantly. Um, you know, and I think again, everyone's different in terms of their needs for, you know, whether you're working on something for speed related things or, or distance, but I think that kind of really, um, changed. And then, you know, I've been with Stephanie since like 2014. So just going through life stuff in general, it's like, I can just put emojis <laughs> in the dock and, and she knows how to shift the training from, you know, <laughs> backseat to front burner to whatever. So it's been kind of, um, an amazing kind of, you know, friendship now that, you know, it's, you have to find someone that works with you and that you can kind of trust. And, um, and like I said, I think it sort of evolved for me and, and it based on, you know, individual needs. I just want to ask one very specific question. How do you guys communicate? Do you do a plan on a program or is it through email and phone calls? Just shared Google doc and, you know, whatever text phone call right now, I've had a little, little bump in the road with my knee. So she's always like, you know, she's up there for, you know, top contender and she keeps texting me. I'm like, just, I'm consider me good. Okay. <laughs> focus, focus on you right now. Like we're all good here. I'll let you know. And so she's amazing. Like she'll text me every day and she's like, all right, how did it go today? And I'm like, look, I'll, I'll let you know if it's bad. 
we're moving in a forward direction. <laughs> and so I just write something on the Google Doc, generally a lot of emojis, and, uh, and then she comments back, so. I mean, I think in looking for a coach is just looking for somebody who's gonna actually listen to your feedback and then incorporate that. I found that difficult sometimes. You know, and, and um, Mario, who is both Lauren's and my coach, Mario Fraioli, is has been really great at that. Like, we use a program called Final Surge, and he puts our workouts in, and we can read them and comment on them, and um, he lets us, he gives us his feedback after we give us, give him our feedback, which also sometimes includes a lot of emojis. <laughs> and um, and it's it's been really great because you do feel like, you know, he can adjust on the fly, and I think that's been the important thing without it being prescriptive or I think you should do it this way because all my other athletes do it this way. He's been really good at like individualizing everything and taking into account the fact that we're not actually professional runners and that we have jobs and we have to recover at some point. Um, so, yeah, it's just been that listening component that I really have appreciated in my current coach. Yeah, and another, <coughs> excuse me, um, great thing about working with Mario has been, you know, the extent that he, like, is very perceptive as to how you're responding to workouts, both, like, emotionally and physically over time. So he'll say, you know, Lauren, you really respond well to this type of workout. What do you mean by that? But <laughs> he knows from the comments that I enter into the system and also the physical response I might have, the adaptation over time, that, you know, that's the type of thing that you need now um, in a training cycle. And that relationship develops over time, you know, with greater specificity. But um, but I think that that, communica that communicative aspect of our relationship with Mario has been very beneficial. I think more generally when it comes to like selecting a coach that's right for you, it really comes down to the, your objectives, right? I mean, on the one hand, like I'm looking for some someone who may, you know. Um, uh, not, I'm not looking for someone to necessarily motivate me to get out there every day, but that it might not be the case for someone else. And then there's another coach actually who's really good at that and in whatever mode makes the most sense, right? In person or over text. And so there's no one size fits all sort of answer. I think it really has to do with like what you want that person to bring to, to the table for you. Um, with Mario, I'm also really grateful that he has a lot of experience so when it comes to like racing and, t and sharing tactics of how to like approach particular courses and fields and things like that that too has been um, really beneficial uh, but it really I think it comes down to like you know do you need to meet with someone in person yes or no do you need to what kind of emotional like feedback do you need from them um, what kind of thing is like you know you're driving you know sort of reason for investing in a coach in the first place so it's been it's worked out quite well I think we've both improved quite a bit uh, recently under that sort of regimen so before distance project I was with Hamwood Hounds and I was with moving comfort with Gordon and then I changed to Hamwood Hounds and I was with him for maybe like eight years and I like the team, but it's dominated by males. And I used to run with them, especially the long runs on Sundays, which it was fun running with them, really nice guys and everything. But I was like, at the point, I'm like, I need a change. Um, I just want like more like females, you know, I just like, I was there, like every, you know, I need a change. Anyway. So um, I left the team 
And then I found these amazing ladies and Harriet, one of my teammates, are like, oh, I have this amazing coach, Carly Shea. Um, you should tell her, I will introduce you to her. I said, yeah, why not? So yeah, that's it. Um, I emailed her, she was so happy to train me. And I've been training with her for over a year, no, it's gonna be a year actually. And it's been working very well because she's a mom. She also has two kids. So we can understand each other. Like she's very flexible with my my kids' schedule, activities, running, everything working. So it's working really well. And we communicate via email, but if I need something, if I'm injured or like before the races, she will call me, she will give me the tips, advices and everything. Um, and it's working fine and my times, um, it's better, like it's definitely different workouts than I used to have with hand with hands. And I just need that change. And I've been feeling even like stronger and better than before. So yeah. I'm I remember when you invited that. me to a, a workout with Henwood with one weekend, yeah. and I thought I was just actually showing up for a run with Annie, and then I didn't realize I was showing up to run with a bunch of people, and it was like, <laughs> it was a race. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay, thanks for the race Saturday morning. <laughs> it's like, I don't know why, like every Sunday we used to do the long runs at so six, you know, like, like fast. I'm like, why is that? Yeah. We couldn't even talk, you know, he's like, well. Can I interject and ask a question? I'm, I'm so curious. Um, were you guys a women's only team right from the start? And that was, that was part of the, the DNA. That was just part of the, you know, the, what it was going to be. And, and why, why was that important to all of you? Cause it sounds like you all came from co-ed teams, right? Um, so for anybody. Yes, we were an all-women's team right from the start. I think we had discussed not being an all-women's team, like very briefly, but we decided to keep it mm -hmm. to be all-women's team. I think it just we just started as all friends, as we've already yeah. talked about, and then we just invited our other friends who happened to be female, mm -hmm. and then uh, and then just decided just to keep it all women. Um, I thought there was, I guess there is sort of a unique opportunity for that in the city. There's. Yeah, for sure. There aren't very many racing teams, women's teams that are specifically um, focused on racing in New York. And I thought that, I think we thought that that would be a really interesting opportunity to see what happened if we opened that up. And I think from okay, oh, from day one, we sort of didn't want to put pressure on any individual to sort of, you know, a lot of the teams are run by whether they're sponsored from a company or one coach or one, you know, institution per se, but it was always like if somebody has a sponsorship deal or somebody has a specific coach, like it was everyone could kind of do what was best for their needs. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, to keep it kind of small like that was, I think, easy at the beginning. And now it's, it was amazing, I think, from, from even a month in feeling like companies wanting to sponsor us or give us something, we were like, whoa, wow, we, like, we didn't even kind of ask for that, which has been kind of overwhelming and, and humbling and, and great. And, but we still try to, you know, keep it that way where everyone can do what's best for their needs. Like people have different sort of sponsorship deals or different, you know, I was saying coaching staff and stuff. But. That's great. Yeah. See, I never experienced that as a member of a New York city running team and it, it would have been awesome. So it's, it's great that you guys are, are sticking with that. I mean, I don't, <clears throat> one of the things that comes to mind is like, I don't think that like you can't achieve what we're trying to achieve with also men like mm -hmm. as part of the team, but there is some significant special factor to the fact to the the reality that we're 
generally in the same sort of racing <clears throat> performance band, right? We're right. like we were racing a lot and actually working towards very similar goals. I think our, with the exception of Angela, who's faster, but we're sort of <laughs> like within like a couple minutes. Right, we're sort of within like a minute or two, right, in, our, in terms of our marathon PRs. And so when you like think about like the Shalane effect and like the, the comment that often shows up in a lot of the recent media around like her saying to Des after winning New York City in 2017, you're next and then she wins in 2018 in Boston. Like that actually can happen on a like local scale within our team because the reality of the, mar the marathon trials is that it's, op it's open, it's not capped at a certain number of women who qualify, it's not the first, it's not the fastest 500, it's anybody who hits the mark. So my success, anyone else's success on the team, it doesn't take away from anyone else's, you know, you know ability to aspire to the same end. So, we can say literally or figuratively to each other when we're on a training run or on a you know message chain or whatnot, like you're next and I'm super excited for you and we can become fans of each other. And I'm like just as excited. I'm perhaps more excited for my teammates at the trials <laughs> than I am for myself. And so that's really special, right? And to be able to sort of generate internally that energy. Um, and the intimacy of a small team helps that, like, sort of um, build on itself. Um, I don't know if that would be different with men in the picture as no, part of our team, but is. I think that you know that there's something that we have that's really uh, important. Yeah, my team in, in New York, it doesn't exist anymore. It was called Atalanta. Um, it was all women, and we definitely had that. Like, I was really confident in, you know, my first real marathon, you know, the first non-recreational one um, that, you know, I was going to run in the 240s because I had been training right alongside people who were running in the 240s. And, you know, I was with them in workouts, you know. It was like, if they can do it, I can do it. And that's, and, and the intimacy of a small team definitely, you know, contributed to that to that you know I, I knew them really well as athletes and knew what they had achieved um, you know and I just hadn't had the opportunity yet and so I, I agree that that's that's very um, that community building is super important um, and then it seems to extend in New York um, it, it seems to cross team boundaries which I think is is just great you know I mean you were you went uh, Lauren you went out to CIM to cheer for like Jenny Donnelly and you know we're so excited when she um, achieved the the qualifying standard, even though she's on a different team. It's like, right. well, who cares that she's on a different team? Yeah, like for instance, right now we're like doing workouts together with, yeah. and we connect with different teams. And I, uh, Central Park, and all the all the cures girls, uh, we get together once a weekend. We do the long run, so it's pretty it's pretty cool just to have those boundaries with different teams, and it's a really nice community in New York. It's a special like moment in time too, because this thing is mm -hmm. every four, and it probably won't happen. Well, I should might not happen again to the same extent that it is not for me personally, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you, it's special to be able to take advantage of that yeah. camaraderie, yeah. without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, yeah. no. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen in 2024, you know, what yeah. the standard is going to be, you know, where you guys are going to be with your lives and, and with your running. And so, yeah, just go for it. And in a way, it's sort of, you know, it's like the number I was thinking about this on the way over is is arbitrary. It's like, well, why 245, you know, and, you know, but it's um, and Lindsay Krauss, who we've talked about and mentioned, uh, wrote about that so eloquently in her 
uh, recent piece in the New York Times about her own personal quest to qualify. You know, it's just like it that that motivated her and and made her get more out of herself than than she ever thought possible. Even though she fell short at the goal, that's what I thought was so cool. That you know, behind you guys are hundreds of other women, and it's the same on the men's side. This really isn't a women's issue per se, but just um, you know, numbers are are so frustrating because they are arbitrary, you know, and if you run 245.01, oh, well, you know, you don't, you don't go, but they motivate us um, because running really is all about numbers, you know, break, whether it's breaking five hours or four hours or three hours or, you know, a, a goal that you would set at another distance. Um, that's, In that's 2016, Angela was vocally chasing <laughs> the trials mm -hmm. standard, and I think Lauren was probably secretly chasing it as long as, and I was secretly chasing it, <laughs> so... And my PR at the time was 253, and I was like, oh, I wouldn't even say it out loud to Stephanie. I was like, but let's just see if we can get out of each workout. And then, <laughs> and then I think it was like the week of the race, and I was like, Steph, I'm just gonna chase it. And then she's just like, I think the workouts are close enough that, and I crashed and burned hard. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it was a I mean, you, yeah, you still have to train smart Absolutely. and right, race yeah. smart and everything, you know, but, and have your plan based on where yeah. your fitness actually is. But yeah, there's nothing wrong. Seeing with Angela, we both ran the same race that year. It was in Chicago of 2000, whatever. 15, I guess. And we both painfully came across and she's like, I was waiting for you to pass me. And I was like, yeah, no. And then it was, she's like, we're both like, yep, putting that one to rest. And I think I ran like 248 and he ran 247. 247. And, you know, we both Which went out. Awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, I, <laughs> I sulked for about like 30 seconds and I was like, I still got like a five minute PR and I was yeah. like, you know, it's good. And I put it all out there. Yeah. Um, and you know, the next time, you know, I, I had a, you know, I said four out of five marathons kind of suck. Let's just say I had yeah. food poisonings. I couldn't race. And then I pulled it back together and ran another marathon and it was like 70 and hundred percent humidity. So you're like, okay, that's not going to really happen today. But, and then finally when I made it happen, it was just like, you know, it was great. I felt like I was like, today it's going to happen. I'm like, I, you know, I ran 248, 247 and like really horrible, you know, not really well trained <laughs> or I was trained well, but just not really for that pace, um, humid conditions. And then finally, when you're like, you know, keep stabbing at it, it came together. It was, yeah. that was also the year when they, the standard was 243 for a while. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, like, we went out for 243 so and crashed. We went out for 243. <laughs> and, but then like the month after that race, they went back to 245 wow. and they were like, oh. I thought I had made Maybe got out for 245. It could have yes, maybe been a yes, little more yes, successful. So the numbers being arbitrary. I was is... going for a 10 minute PR. Which was... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> important. So what you just around the numbers being arbitrary. I think that like there's it's super exciting. Obviously that there have been so many women dip under. Like there's no denying that that in and of itself is remarkable, mm -hmm. on paper. But like one of the sort of one of the things that I've been pained to watch through this experience is that like there's so much emotion around the OTQ thing and. Like, and you don't want people to think that that standard is sort of your inner you're out. Like mm -hmm. that that is the sort yeah. of the marker of success here in a women's I'm you know afraid. distance running in yeah. in the United States because it's just the two for whatever the two forty five is right for for anyone like at you know the, the the beginning of the field at a New York Runners like weekend race to the to the very back of the pack like all of the lessons of like you can do the thing if you shift your mindset and orientation of like how fast you think you can go like it's it's there's there are lessons there that i think span like all the whole field and 
it's not to undermine like the accomplishment of running under 245, but it's just it's just the, the symbolism for me is like bigger than that. It's a bigger movement, and there's you know it's just it's so much more transferable than we give it credit because absolutely. And and speaking as an older runner, I'm 58 now, so I'm obviously you know my last sub three even was over 10 years ago, and and but I still set standards and goals and and you know they if my younger self had you know heard what my standards are now my younger self would laugh but but you know I mean I'm, I'm still like achieving you know based on what I am capable of um, so it's something you can you can continue even after you you know sort of say all right I'm, I, my lifetime PRs are behind me like way behind me but you know I can still set goals that that's again seem arbitrary you know and you know you kind of tell yourself nobody cares, you know. <laughs> I run. But, you but know? We, have, we have a story. But, about. I have to interrupt you, Gordon. <laughs> the number, your arbitrary number goal might be uh -huh. different, but your performance is continuing to. Oh yeah, that way age graded thing yeah. that I didn't even know what it was until Stuart Calderwood explained it to me. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Gordon runs like ninety eight percent. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> But yeah, no, that that I like that. Yeah. And of course, also, it's something that you can take to other parts of your life. It's like, you know, some of my like most the experiences I've learned the most for, from were like the job I didn't get, but I tried really, really hard and I put everything into it. And I just felt like there's nothing more I could have done. You know, I you know had a great resume, you know, great interviews. You know, I just learned so much about the company. And, you know, that's never going to be a bad thing to like push yourself to achieve. So, you know, those, those are great lessons to apply to running and to, to everything that you do. This is a great topic because one of the themes of Chill Track Friday is we really enjoy talking about the process and where we are in our process. And Lauren, you brought up the idea of like a snapshot in your lives at this moment. Can you guys tell us like what the, get a little nitty gritty about how you're, how this has all been, this training cycle and how you're feeling and it's only three <laughs> weeks away. Share as little or as much as you want, but. Yeah, always, <laughs> I mean, personally, like my experience with races is always excitement, but doubt and nerves and thrill, and it's all mixed together. And I would love to hear, and I'm sure our audience would too, how you guys are feeling. <laughs> I feel great. <laughs> no, I mean, I actually do. I feel pretty good. I mean, you know, it's three weeks out, so we're pretty tired all the time. That's pretty normal. Um, and probably do like a two week taper, but it's been, you know, I, I feel like I'm starting to feel my age a little bit, but, um, you know, pushing through. And I feel like it's been a really, it's been an up and down training cycle, but what training cycle isn't up and down. There's been, you know, great days and bad days and workouts that I've bombed and then workouts that have been going really, really well. So in general, like, just sort of taking everything as it comes and trying to enjoy as much of it as I can. And I'm very, very, very excited to be there that weekend with all of these guys and all of the women from New York City and everybody from everywhere. It's going to be amazing energy. So I'm just sort of keeping my eyes on the horizon and, and looking forward to everything. So, yeah, I feel great. 
<laughs> I think I sweat chlorine right now. <laughs> Let's just say, you know, um, you know I, I feel like I, I know my body well enough after, you know, I'm 42 and have, this will be my 15th marathon. Um, a few that you've trained for that you don't make to the starting line or whatever. So I've probably trained for a few more, but, um, you know, and I know that like, I'm a one marathon a year kind of person in the last like five so years. And, you know, I, could gamble every three, four years, and this will be uh, my third in a calendar year, which, uh, you know, is a lot, and I was actually really surprised at how well I bounced back from New York and got into training, and I was running actually some of the biggest, best workouts I've probably ever run, maybe three weeks ago, um, and then I just had this random knee thing out of the blue that um, kind of put a little wrench in the cog right now, but, uh, you know, I can train like a professional cross trainer right now, um, so hoping to, um, I probably won't be tapering, uh, will be, which I've, you know, I, Stephanie's great and having worked with her for so long, she, you know, keeps being like, you know, we've thrown bigger Hail Marys than this. I'm like, nope, this is the longest. This will be the longest throw, I think at this point. Um, so, you know, is what it is and whatever uh, race day will be at this point will really just be a celebration of kind of women's running and I'm happy to you know just be on that starting line and and run with you know my team fellow people from New York and just sort of women's running in general so I have no idea what the day will be. Yeah I had the chance to run New York with with Meg actually with like literally with. It's such a great photo on the bridge. Uh, it was really, that was a very special racing experience. I yeah. felt like a million bucks going into New York this year um, and have had a more of an anticlimactic buildup um, going into the trials. I missed some time because of an illness, um, which set me back a couple weeks, but now I'm coming around and um, probably will shorten the taper. But, you know, similarly, I, when it comes to the race, like you just want to be competitive and, um, and feed off the energy of recognizing so many people there and taking in the spirit and whatnot of such a unique event. Um, I too, I'm like a huge, huge fan of the sport. I'm a huge fan and I'm like, just um, as excited about like the hairpin turn and seeing both my teammates coming at me and as, as well as like watching the race unfold. So I'm just excited to be there and like be part of the spirit, but ho also hope to sort of bring whatever I can get um, out of myself, um, you know, from a training standpoint over the next couple weeks. Um, but I'm excited just for these guys as I am myself for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I feel great too, same as you. Um, I think this has been like the best training cycle ever, just because with the new team and also because we're connecting with different teams and just doing the workouts together, training together. It's just been so cool. Like, I I don't want this to be over because I'm really enjoying the training and luckily it's been I mean healthy, strong. So um, yeah, I'm gonna miss it. Don't worry, it's like I'm gonna be like oh. I want to go on a train. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just really nice and just very I'm very lucky to be part of this amazing experience and hopefully you know when my kids get older and they understand better like they're gonna be proud of me. When hopefully yeah that I'm representing United States. I mean yeah as a with, because I have dual citizenship, I'm really proud to be here and running for United States as well. 
Are your kids going to go to Atlanta? They are not. <laughs> yeah, just because my mom is going to come in with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that stays here. With, yeah. Just because, you know, I don't. I want to be like by my, just by myself, have my own time. It's a good yeah, decision. I just want to sleep I, I well. I took my kids once, and there's this picture of me yeah. at the finish, and I'm like... And they're like, oh, they're like yeah. completely, they slept through the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, exactly. They're like, oh, they're just they running more. They cared less. And yeah. they were like four they and don't six. Care. So, yeah. yeah. And they Good wake decision. up during the night, so I'm like, no, I want to sleep well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But obviously, being an example for your children is a good thing. Yeah, I didn't mean to imply yeah. that. <laughs> they don't understand now, but yeah, hopefully they one day yeah, will. They yeah, will, for yeah. sure. Totally. They can write like um, book report, you know, reports about it later. Yeah, months. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Very that cool. would be nice. I have a quick question. We talked about emojis earlier. Aside from a time of while you're during a period of injury, while you're logging in your logs, which emoji is used the most frequently? <laughs> Um, I use the laughter one a lot. Like the crying laughter. Yeah. I like the one with the face like this. <laughs> well, I, I know exactly which one you're talking about. I like to fire emoji. Oh, yeah. Just kidding. I also have like the crying and the confused and the arms up, but, but also the fire. I will play as well. <laughs> yeah. We need a runner's collective, like make a whole emoji set that like can really imply all the things that can go through. Okay, anyway, that just happened. So maybe there's a chill track Friday set of emojis about to come out. Um, can we can we talk about the shoe thing? The Nike next beyond percent thing. Yeah. Or I I don't know. What's your take on it? It's like it's such a hot topic right now. So I just love to know your take on it. I'm not saying anything else. Some ones being made right now that help my knee for. No. <laughs> it's you know you can get custom if it's an injury sort of thing, right? <laughs> what was the new? That's one of the rules. The yeah. rules. So you know I got some stuff in the works for February. <laughs> um, I mean, what I'll say about this shoot, like. I have a couple things to say about yeah. it, but the, the first thing is that I love running in them. I think they're really, they, it's a really fun ride, and that's great because I run for fun, and I love racing in them, and I think they keep getting better and better, um, and not necessarily for the results, but just because they feel really good, um, so that's great, and like... I also appreciate that um, you know Nike has invested in, in trying to build a better, more innovative approach to a racing shoe. Um, I do believe that there should be, as there is now, uh, regulations and whatnot. I think it's really hard to manage the regulations that are set forth around you know just having one plate and specific stack height. It's, it's hard to determine if there's more than one plate in a shoe or whatnot. You know down the line. Um, I also like the idea of not, um, I hope I got that policy right, but yeah. So, and then, you know, also, you know, a ban on prototypes and whatnot and having to have equal access to products, uh, you know, for a period of time before, you know, they, they being eligible for, for racing, for competition, like, all that's great. I think it's a, it's a huge challenge in tall order to make sure that those policies are adhered to at, you know, every level of racing from the majors to, you know, Olympic and world championship events to local races. Um, but no, I mean, I think that like, you know, it's, 
it's tricky because everything from like the Mizuno wave plate to the Adidas boost technology, like they they all provide some aspect of mechanical advantage, or at least that was I imagine the intent, right? And so now it's like you just have that much more mechanical advantage and fires off the alarm bells. And it should because it calls into question this important these important considerations around regulation and fair play, but also like Heck yeah! Like they're 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 great to run in. They're they're very comfortable for me, and like uh, it's, it's 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 a lot of fun. So I'm like grateful for the chance to to run in them on on the 29th. Um, I mean, I feel like in terms of, you know, longevity of, I know my hips and my knees and, you know, I still run in Adios, um, Adidas Adios and for shorter stuff, but I feel like, you know, I used to do 12, 10 mile tempos in those and you just feel it at the end. Like you could just feel it reverberate through your legs. And, and I think that, um, you know, for longevity of just kind of, you know, your body, I think they're useful tool for, you know, staying in the sport longer. Um, but I also feel that, you know, I've read a lot, I've listened to, you know, the, um, clean sport podcasts and, you know, the one with, with Des, I thought was interesting at the end where, you know, I thought she was sort of positive of like, okay, well, how do I play the game now? Like, you know, you, you understand it's a game and people are playing games. Like I think, you know, mm-hmm. there's one, you know, that monopolizes the game and sets the rules and probably has things in the back burner that knows that fall within the rules. And, and then everybody has three months to catch up. Like, so I feel like, you know, it's unfortunate, like the games that are being played and one person that's kind of, you know, the game maker and the player. Um, but I feel like in terms of, you know, my body and, and I'm, I appreciate, you know, that, um, has helped me, you know, feel a little bit better. That's a great point. I didn't, yeah, I had, I had read many things about this, but I hadn't heard anyone like kind of put it in terms of longevity. Like, if it's giving me that much cushioning and I can go longer, and I'm training for this long stuff, that's that's it's a really interesting perspective I like that. Um, you're all, you know. I'm assuming just listening to everyone's journey, running is this side thing that started. Now you're training at a very high level. Can you talk a little bit, like you're all accomplished in what you do. I'm, I'm not going to ask you to sing, or if you can. No, that's, okay. that's okay. okay. Um, we had some emails going back and forth uh, about possibility of... Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just want you to talk a little bit about training at this level, just like kind of holistically the process and how that impacts work-life balance and how, how you guys achieve that. Well, here's our family support systems go on in front of us. Yeah, we took the mic out in the audience. No, it, it is a balance, you know, and I think um, with, you know, we were saying about Mario and the training and as you progress, the training progresses and Stephanie sees that and it's each time. I actually feel like I run, I'm running faster times and running less mileage now than when I actually qualified, um, which I think is your body adapts and, um, you know, and work life was a little crazier. My job changed, but you know, I, I think I joked like a little bit. I'm like, Steph, I'm not, you know, like I'm not a professional, but like, but the training kept going in a little bit more and the, the workouts get longer on a Wednesday. I'm like, you know, I don't have that much time or, you know, you got to make it work with your schedule. But, um, you know, and I think that's why I'm kind of a one marathon or a year. Like I can commit to that in shorter blocks. Like, and right now, like this past year has been a lot, but, um, and when I, you know, commit myself to a race, I do everything I can to make it a successful race. Um, so, I don't want to go into it 
without, you know, the time and, you know, for, you know, I, I, I don't limit myself too much. Like if I want to, <laughs> these guys know where I go on Friday nights. <laughs> like I have pizza and beer most Friday nights and like my long run is mostly every Saturday. <laughs> so it's, you know, I, it's how I kind of train. I don't really restrict myself too much. And I think otherwise I probably wouldn't compete at the level that I do. So I try to kind of keep it in within a balance that I can kind of manage. Maybe I could be faster if I didn't have pizza and beer. 85% of my nights before my long run, but I don't know. <laughs> so. I always found it to be a little bit of a struggle because I'm a freelance, so I mean, I can definitely fit the running in when I need to, but then, you know, you're always feeling like you have to get back to do something else, you know. So I don't have the constraints of a nine to five, but, um, but then you feel like you're always working on something like from the minute you wake up, you're answering emails and then you go for a run and then you come back and you have to write and then you have to teach and then you have a rehearsal. So you're like just trying to slot it in where it's, where there's any available time. And so, I mean, I always find it to be a little bit of a struggle during the heavier training months, but then I also know that I don't like like uh, Meg, I don't do two or three marathons a year. I try to do just one. So it's just for a short amount of time and I can, I can deal with it for a short amount of time. And it's just a, it's sort of a similar uh, approach to, uh, I guess, learning how to play an instrument in that it's just like you, you're just consistent and you just do it. And so they, they feed into each other, learning how to play an instrument well, learning how to teach well and learning how to run well. Like they, they're kind of, they can coexist because they're very similar for me. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone anyone who's like aspiring to achieve a, a high goal, you know, whatever that may be, let's just say running, um, racing a marathon, uh, like it's it's the training and then it's everything else. It's like eating right and taking a bath and like you know, and and like stretching and strength training and sleeping and all these things and then talking about it with Marigo Holmes. It's like talking about it. There's all this stuff and that is all. That's like all part of it. In like similar to what these guys just said, it's like there's a time and a place for that, and then I get tired of it and I need a break too. So it's like we are all this is yeah Olympic trials. Like we are all in. It's all the things right now, and like I am so excited for the Olympic trials, and I am so excited for them to be over because I need a little bit of a separation before the next emotional like physical experience on the horizon. So it's all that stuff. It's super hard, and it can't it can't. Things are suffering, like you know, at work and whatnot, right? And here and there, um, because you just can't be everything to everybody all the time. So it's it's just there's a time and a place. So. For me, I feel like I'm very lucky because I have my mom, as I always say, and she's my primary caregiver for my kids. So uh, thank to her, I want my husband too, but want my mom. <laughs> yeah, to be my husband, he will stay with the kids when I'm traveling, so my mom can come with me. Uh, yeah, so he will be there having a beer, taking care of the kids. Um, yeah, so my mom, um, oh yeah, so uh, I work, you know, I work on, when I'm training, my mom will stay with the kids, and it's, I'm really busy just, and also I feel like guilt, because I don't spend so much time with my kids, because I'm doing 100 miles a week when I'm training, and 
running, gym, running or stretching or massage. And my, and when I'm at the end of the day, I'm so tired. My kids wants to play with me after school. So I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. So I feel like I can't wait to get done. I have like a break so I can have quality time with my boys. Um, but then on the other hand, it's just very excitement about the trials and everything. And yeah, once again, like my family is my biggest support and including my husband. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, he's like for today, I went for 24, three hours run and he stayed with the kids, feeding them and everything. So he's very excited about me going to the trials and everything. Um, yeah. As soon as a marathon's over, if you don't follow Anna, you should. It's like all night dancing. <laughs> like every story, every night, I'm like, it's a Tuesday and it's like, I don't even know. Oh man, yeah, I'm like Latina dancing, so when it comes about dancing, number one. That was like three nights in a row. I'm with heels. <laughs> follow Anna Johnson. Yeah. Um, I loved your answer. Running such a big metaphor for like life in general. I loved your answer of how you saw it in playing an instrument, learning to play an instrument. You had examples about comparing it to your like printmaking and artwork. So that's you know that's that's pretty cool to hear. And totally, I think we can all relate to the fact you know like we we try to keep each other in check. Like, did you do your stretches, <laughs> strength training today after the eighteen miler? Like, can I just watch TV in peace, please? I don't want to yeah. do that part. Like, I did the run already. Like. Do I really have to do this while watching a movie? Or, but, and the yeah. balance thing is 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 for everybody. I mean, it's you know, it's it's the hardest thing about running for me is balancing it with work, balancing it with parenting. Even though my kids are older, you know, they still need parenting. Um, and I just remember, you know, a lot of times it would it would feel like my life was like this three-legged stool. You know, you had running, um, work, and then family, you know, community and everything else. And there was always like one leg that was wobbly, you know. And, and it w if you could get that stool to be balanced, you were like, whoa, that was awesome. But it, it, it's really, really hard, um, especially with kids. And I was laughing to myself when you were talking about, you know, when you come back from a long run and you're just utterly exhausted and they're jumping all over you and they want to play like, you know, a patasaurus and brontosaurus and stegosaurus. And it's just like, right, right. Yeah. They're like, okay, you be the mommy stegosaurus and I be the baby, you know, you're like, no, I just need to like crawl into bed oh, and like yeah. shut the door. So, oh. I wish I could have like an ice bath afterwards. I can't yeah. because they're all over me. Because they're all it's over just you. Cold. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. And, and in New York it's a small apartment know. so it's not like go yeah. to the basement. No. That doesn't exist. <laughs> I mean there's yeah. no way. Because <laughs> yeah. I like, felt like with work, I could sort of negotiate you know because people knew I was an accomplished runner and you know I was able to ask you know and to delegate and to but with kids it's you can't. You can't say you know I'll do, I'll do that in three hours or whatever and it's like what no yeah, we're doing it right now so but it's it's super challenging and and the the people that I coach that's a lot of you know what I coach them on is the fitting it in thing um, I really encourage people not to deprioritize sleep but sometimes you have no choice and you know just try to make it up um, sleep I feel like is a runner's secret weapon so really try to not not skimp on that but it's hard, you know, just be super disciplined about, you know, social media and stuff like that. But that's, that's essential too. That's important too. So it's, it's a challenge. 
anyone has any tips, I'm happy to hear them. <laughs> you have taken into our next segment of training tips, but before we get into, yeah, sleep's important. Um, Super important. Any, wow. any questions from the audience? <laughs> One of the reasons I've looked up to all four of you and also to Gordon is teammate. Teammate, follower. <laughs> um, you guys have all continued to progress so well as you've gotten older, and I, I've like, I was so impressed when I first joined the team that so many people on the team were in their late thirties, um, early forties, almost forty. And I was curious if you have any thoughts on how, if at all, you've like changed your approach, either physical or mental, with respect to training as you've gotten older to like continue to compete and train at the level you do. Specifically for me, it's just been knowing that I need to recover and how I need to recover. Um, like easy runs become a little bit slower, but that's fine, you know. And you might reduce your mileage, but maybe the workouts are more, more have more quality in them, you know. So may, I can't run 100 mile weeks. I just can't do it because I know that it will tear my legs up and my hips up. So I just keep the mileage pretty low and then just make sure I'm really focused on doing all the recovery things that they were talking about to take all your time. But that for me, as I've gotten older, has helped me like maintain and just sort of stay at the same level instead of kind of going downhill. Yeah. I mean, I think I agree a lot about the taking the easy runs even easier, like slower than I probably have in years. And sometimes you're like, God, I don't, you know, like, I don't even know if I could hit the workout, but I've hit the workouts better and faster the more I've taken down the easy runs. Um, and I don't think, like I was saying earlier, I don't, in 2017, when I qualified, I was I was doing most of my weeks in the 90s, and I hit like 100 once. But now I mostly do mid 80s. Like, and I don't feel like I need that. But I also have a different job that I think taxes me in the same way that like would be that extra 15 miles. Like, I you know get in the car and drive to Rhode Island, and like I'm up at five in the morning and spend three days in another state, and it's I think equally taxing. And if you understand like that for yourself, like I wouldn't be able to find a find the day time of day, or I would be just probably want to fall over. <laughs> yeah, similarly, I've experienced within the past year, like this cycle of life, just to come back to something I said earlier, like the shuffle from second grade, like the shuffle with like no range of motion has like crept back into my life. And so I like, Angela can attest to this, we ran a really hard like 22 yesterday and we had to do like a warm up shuffle and then, and then and, and it helps, right? And it's like, I don't know what this is, but like now I feel looser like seven minutes in. And so, you know, that's sort of off the books of the shuffle warm up. But like that actually has become part of like my regimen as I've gotten older and it, it works. And so you sort of make these adaptations and maybe then you know, just make sure that you're prioritizing those like really specific quality days that matter the most to get the adaptation to improve. Um, and then also I think the key is to like not overthink the number, I guess, right? Because we have so many teammates who are just absolutely killing it and they are running their fastest times and they're, you know, we're all getting older and just as, as you know, members in the audience as well, like um, just drawing inspiration from, you know, the idea that you just can't have these self-imposed limits around what it's supposed to be when you're a master's runner or whatnot, and just really like be, stay very positive um, in terms of the mindset there too. 
Yeah, same for me. Recovery is the key. And as I get older, I have definitely more pains, hamstring issues and everything. So for me, I think it's, it's like I do have to get massage or chiropractic. That's the key for me, in, you know, to keep going and just maintaining. Even though I have a lot of high mileage a week, um, I think it just recovery is number one. And easy runs are like very easy for me. I just take it really easy. Mm-hmm. I cannot really run faster than eight. No, there's no way. Um, yeah, and just doing like cryotherapy. Yeah, and listen to your body. If I feel tired, just go slow and yeah. Foam rolling. Yeah. It works. And ice baths. I I really like ice baths. And, you know, there's some studies that say they're great and they work. Some studies say they don't make any difference. Some studies say they actually have the opposite effect because the muscles tense up. You know, so it's like you were saying, listen to your body. For me, they work. You know, if I take one after a long run or a hard workout, I feel much better the next day. I feel much better right away, you know, as soon as that initial is over, I feel much better. And foam rolling, I try to do it every day. It's boring, but you can, you can, you know, do it while you're watching TV or whatever. But I think also cross-training, I know I'm cross-training a ton right now, but even, like, when I'm not injured, like, and the miles are high and I'm exhausted, like, sometimes I'll just get on the elliptical because I might, you know, I just, I feel like I'll get more out of the recovery than dragging myself around the park, like, and, you know, it's still, it's, I think recovery for some people, like, they need a day off, but some, I think, you know, just flushing your legs out with an easy run, like, all you need to do is just flush your legs out with spin on the bike or, or get on the elliptical, so even on, like, even if everything is 100% fine, I still, like, on those days on my like highest weeks we'll just jump on a bike or instead of a a run you know a quick question it might be kind of silly actually but i'm not really on strava very often and i was wondering where you do your long runs like do you do it the terrain like is it mostly in the park on the pavement or bridle path like kind of the majority do you think about the surfaces and and all of that as we get older i think about it a lot so i'm just curious I try to do it on the bridal path uh, just because it's always soft, especially my easy runs. I always go on the bridal path. Uh, however, when it's workouts, uh, I do it on the Concord. Like, yeah, it's just because it's just easier than the bridal path. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar. <laughs> yeah. We don't have that option in Brooklyn, unfortunately. There is like a soft section of the inside of Prospect Park, but it's often kind of uneven and I'm. <laughs> I have turned my ankle over one too many times sometimes. So, um, But when we do go to Central Park, we'll do the easy part on the bridle path and then do the workout on the actual concrete. But sometimes I'll do, like, if I have to do a double or, like, easy three or four in the afternoon, I'll just do it on the treadmill because it's much softer and it's not so far that you're going to get bored. So, yeah. We just want to thank you all so much for coming to talk with us. And Gordon, thank you, too. We will be following you and rooting for all of you and wish you all the best. And um, yeah. And thank you to Custom PT. Anyone needs anything there. This is a great, great um, PT office. We all know how much runners love buffs. So there's some in the back from Custom. So you guys can pick those up. Uh, Some swag. Uh, Yeah. And thank you to each and every one of you for coming. Thank you for following the podcast and joining us here. And see you guys, I don't know, hopefully with another live recording. Maybe when you guys are back. We'll see. I don't know if you want to be put through this again. Or maybe we go on the dance floor, right? Just so I do the next one over there. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you.